Amen, amen. That was awesome. Great recovery. Um, yes, that was Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful child. I don't remember that song. I remember songs like Frosty the Snowman. So uh, I wish I knew these songs. <laughs> you know what's interesting? If you look up that song, there's a line in there. I just want to read this real quick. This is in the song. It says, new life, new hope, new joy he brings. Won't you listen to the angels sing? This is an amazing line because I believe this is a real revelation of what the Holy Spirit does. He brings resurrection life. He brings brand new encounters with hope, brand new encounters with his joy. And it says, won't you let the angels sing? God is saying, will you let me speak? Will you receive prophetic encouragement? So this is an hour where God is saying, if you want a fresh encounter of my joy and my peace, my love, I've touched you in the past, but what I desire for you is a fresh encounter, a brand new testimony, right? And so God is saying, will you let my angels sing? Will you let my messengers speak? Obviously, the Holy Spirit bears witness through the word of God, but also God says, I have relationships in your life, and I want to send encouragement your way through them. Will you open your heart in relationship in this hour for those that God has for you in the body of Christ? So God is asking us to reject being isolated. God is saying, I want you to speak words that are life and joy and peace in any which way you want. And I think it's interesting because this church really loves this. Won't you listen to the angels sing? So they really love singing. I was kicked out of fifth grade choir because of Mrs. Turner, but um, amen. Lord, we just ask for forgiveness. But this is interesting because whoever wrote this song, and I know they gave me a brief history, um, worship is such a key component because as you worship, God begins to reveal himself. He begins to talk to us. He begins to deposit in our mind, will, and emotions that hope, that joy, and that peace. So even what we were doing, God will win the victory, the battle. And so the Lord says, hey, let my voice in. Let me encounter you in the midst of worship. So deciding to worship, scheduling to worship, even as they come back on later, if we worship saying, God, I want to I sing. I want to see you as you are, and I want to acknowledge you. Because I, because I know when I praise and worship that you're going to release something in my heart. You're going to do something in my heart. That's a weapon of our warfare. That is a way that God's government works. It releases power, God's government, God himself releases power as we worship and pray. That's what's in this song. So I want us to know that God prophetically ordered this song for us in this season. And he's highlighting, hey, you need newness of life right now. You can't feed on an old testimony. You can't feed on yesterday's manna. Amen. Thank you, Anthony. It is good. Let's go to Haggai 2, 6 and 7. For those of you at home, I'm reading from Haggai 2, 6 and 7 from the New King James. Praise God for the New King James. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, once more I will shake the heaven and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. 
and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. Haggai is in the Old Testament, and he's prophesying really about Jesus. And he's prophesying this thing when Jesus returns, there's going to be massive shaking and upheaval, but God will have an answer, and God will have a church that's moving in power. Now, with us, we just went through 2020. We're in the last few weeks. Us, unprecedented pressure, negativity, the recession, right? The pandemic, the civil unrest, the election, even the post-election. So God is saying, I've allowed it, but will you press into my son Jesus? You know, it's interesting. In this verse, it says that God allows negativity, and it leads us to Jesus, See, some people preach that you'll never have a bad day. Some people will preach that you'll always prosper, you have unprecedented favor, and it'll never stop. You know, that's a very American gospel. But God is saying in his word, when you face negative times, like 2020, God is saying, will you let the pressure squeeze you and push you into the presence of God? Because he's saying, I'll shake everything in your life and in my life that can be shaken that's not rooted in Jesus. That's not a mean thing. That's a very determined thing by God who says, I want to remove everything that hinders my love. I want to remove everything that hinders my fullness. So I've allowed some negativity, not because I'm mad at you, it's because I love you. And wherever you feel dull, wherever you feel overwhelmed, wherever you feel retreated, I'm pulling you out. And at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to increase in love. You're going to increase in in the trust of his leadership in your life. But that's a miracle. Most non-Christians and most Christians that are Christian by tradition only, what happens is when bad times hit, there's a retreat. There's a grievance against God. There's bitterness. I don't want to trust your leadership. But the funny thing about Christmas is God is saying, before the foundation of this world, I planned it out. That I would jump into your skin, your life, your temptations, your pressures, your difficulty. And I'll put myself in Bethlehem, Nazareth, Jerusalem, Galilee, and it's going to be ruled by the Romans. And I'm going to come from a working class family. And it's going to be in the messiness of this season where my own earthly parents can't even find a place for me to be born. So God is saying, out of the mess of 2020, will you let Jesus be the desire of your life? And this is going beyond just doing church. This is saying, God, in my relationship with you, I need Holy Spirit power to be wholehearted. I need to see something that's of God in the scriptures that gives me a vision of how you're going to redeem this year. So that's why I really felt, again, it's only because it's fed me. I really felt Romans 15, 13. Let's go to that. This is in the New King James. And I really love this translation because it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that you would be filled while you're believing with joy and peace. I've said this a million times because this has happened in my life. The enemy and your own mind, will, and emotions wants to make you miserable as you trust in God. This is actually speaking the opposite. This is saying, as we trust in the Lord, 
there's an infilling of joy and peace. There's an infilling of joy and peace in our mind, will, and emotions. That he wants to make the faith's journey enjoyable, filled with his delight, filled with his power. So we're not just waiting for that one breakthrough. We're walking in a life with God that's vibrant, that's filled with hope, that's filled with confidence, that he's faithful to complete that which he has started. So we're walking in that way. And wherever the enemy or this world or your own mind, will, and emotions want to tempt you to despair, to letting go of hope, to just giving up, God is saying, will you let my Holy Spirit move in you to renew your thinking, to renew your emotions, to give you willpower in the place of your will? Does that make sense? Because this is critical. It says, fill us with all joy and peace. The Spirit empowering us to enjoy Jesus and his family. Isn't that important? We're headed into our Christmas season where we're going to have some interactions with those that we love. And God is saying, will you allow me to give you power to enjoy them? Will you give, will you give me the opportunity to empower you to love those others in the body of Christ that you don't necessarily agree with or connect with? The holiday season oftentimes is very difficult because we're holding the tension of these are the people that God put in my life. And I don't have the capacity to love well. And I'm struggling to love myself. And oftentimes because of my circumstances and situations, my external ones, I'm not so confident about how God feels about me. So that's why he's saying this isn't a Bible truth in the sense of some sort of um, abstract thought. This is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power. It is supernatural to walk in joy and peace. Do we understand that? When believers walk in joy and peace, when there's been a pandemic, when there's been unrest, when there's been this election, and there's been all sorts of personal problems. I was praying for a man named Peter before this year, never had any trace of cancer. At the beginning of the year, for whatever odd reason, they took a test, and he had fourth stage cancer. He went from no cancer, he had gotten some medical tests before in 2019, then at the beginning of the year, for some reason, went in to have another test, and he went into fourth stage cancer. And he's going through chemo, he was going through all sorts of situations and then obviously you've got the pandemic and I said to the Lord I said Lord this is difficult for me to deal with I don't have the capacity or the strength to believe Holy Spirit come and touch my mind will and emotions right now because I have a hard time looking at a great man of God a retired missionary who gave you 40 50 years of service and now he's dying and plus he's isolated because it's the pandemic and I'm telling you, one of the things that Peter said, because we were praying uh, via FaceTime, we would do regular physical healing prayer appointments and prayer appointments for encouragement. One of the things he said is like, AJ, I was, uh, I, was, I was at the hospital, and I felt like my heart wanted to be embittered against the medical staff here because they weren't doing things right. So help me, pray for me that I give my heart to Jesus. And I don't hold bitterness against the medical staff. That's what he was thinking about. Keeping an honest heart before the Lord. Having a testimony where he loves well as the cancer patient. 
Somebody in his 70s, somebody who has fourth stage cancer, somebody who was a missionary from Australia serving the Lord for 40, 50 years. When I heard that, when I saw that, God showed me that there is hope that is a living understanding. It is a spiritual reality that's real inside of Peter. Most people would not even be thinking about that. How do I love this medical staff well as I am dying of fourth stage cancer? So that's what I'm saying is that's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not natural, it's supernatural. And God is inviting us after what we have just faced. Remember, hundreds of years went from Malachi to Matthew. And when they expected the Messiah, they expected a kingdom on earth. And what they got was the Roman Empire. They've got a pagan empire ruling over them. This is Israel back in the day, 2,000 years ago. And, and God is saying, I have an answer for you, but it doesn't look like the answer that you may be thinking of. Because it's coming from a place of humility. It's a baby in a manger. Think about how humble it is for the uncreated, self-sustaining God to even be born. Think about this idea that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is in a dirty manger. And that's supposed to be the answer for salvation. So God is saying, my road is humble, my character is meek and lowly, will you follow me? Because in the midst of that, there is joy and peace. This is what Christmas is about. It's about the person of Jesus. It's not just a holiday. It's not just tradition. It's not just what we do at church. It's about the glory of Jesus. It's about the manifestation of Jesus in your life. And you actually seeing it, knowing it, believing it, experiencing it, receiving it on a daily basis. And if that's hard, then we do it as community. We reach out. That's why we have prayer after the service. We reach out. We say, God, I need joy and peace as I do this thing called trusting Jesus. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow myself to be miserable or isolated, or I'm not going to let myself be dull. So anyway, we're praying for a historic visitation of joy and peace. That's what we're praying for. When times get tough, we cry out to God. We have an answer. It's real. The way we know it is it, it happened for all these individuals in the Old Testament. It happened for many in the New Testament. There's been revivals throughout history that didn't happen at the best of times. So God has always answered. He's always stepped down. You know, there's a great verse. April Lamb did not, I didn't tell her about this verse. Amen. In Psalm 18, verse 35, in the NIV, 1984 edition. It says, you give me a shield of victory, your right hand sustains me, and you stoop down to make me great. That baby in the, in the manger is God stooping down into the mess of this world. He was so high, and he went so low. And one of the things that I'm feeling from 2020, one of the things that, that I'm dealing with as I think about the return of Jesus, when I think about the first coming of Jesus, is like, wow. Am I going low? Am I saying, God, I need you? Am I involving God? Am I talking to him? Am I spending time that when they worship, am I worshiping along? Or I'm just keeping my mouth shut. One of the things I'm praying for is if you're used to being silent, that God would give you power to not be silent anymore. When there's music playing and people are worshiping, you would open your mouth and worship. 
When you hear the pastor or Ryan or somebody say, Jesus, I thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you're doing. You would go into a mode and saying, Holy Spirit, show me how you've been faithful in my life. I just want to say thank you for your presence. I want to say thank you for your revelation and understanding. I want to thank you that you use me for your glory. I want to thank you that you strengthen my mind, will, and emotions. I want to thank you that you teach me your ways. Thank you for teaching me how to be in your presence. We've got to learn that in the moment when God's people are in his presence, and you know, where they're experiencing it in an intangible way, we've got to jump in, too, with our participation. We can't let little moments slide by. Amen, amen. Let's go to the next verse. I want to thank the tech team because they, they got a copy of my horrendous notes, and they worked through all of this. Let's look at John 15, 9 and 10, and then eventually verse 11. As the Father loved me. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. If you want a verse to hone in on in the holiday season, this could be one of them. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Again, Jesus is saying, as my heavenly Father has given me his love, his affections, his tenderness, his ability to see me and know me, to be known by him, I want you to have that same love. I want you to live in that. Think about that. Think about the person who knows you the most and loves you the best. So God is saying, experience the same love that I have between my father and my son. The Holy Spirit is saying, let me show you how the father and son love each other. Because our families going into this Christmas season don't love perfectly. Right? I don't know how to love perfectly. But the Holy Spirit is saying, let me reveal to you how much the father loves Jesus. And how much Jesus loves the Father. And help me to, I'll help you to get power to enter into that love. Verse 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know what's interesting about this? It's so hard to obey. It's so hard to persevere. It's so hard to stay faithful. But God's saying, if you first experience that intimate relationship between the Father and the Son, if you begin to picture that, this isn't super spirituality. This isn't just theology. This is a real relationship. Remember, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And that relationship starts with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We were only roped in much later. We are not the center of God's universe. The center of God's universe is God. We were roped in, roped in and allowed in, grafted in much later through the cross. So God is saying, hey, let me show you what love looks like. And let me impart it to you afresh. Because it's going to help you to stay steady. It's going to help you to obey. It's going to help you to walk in love. Let's look at John 15, verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants abiding joy. Jesus wants sustainable joy in your life. Remember, joy is Holy Spirit power, to enjoy God and to let him enjoy you. Joy is Holy Spirit power. This isn't positivity. It is not a personality type. Please don't 
don't allow intense spiritual things that are of God to be, be human. It's not. It is from God. In Psalm 16, it says that where his presence is, there's fullness of joy. There's pleasures at his right hand. Meaning God is a God who is the happiest person in the universe. Do you realize that? So forget what Hollywood has shown us about God, what people's ideas are about God. The happiest person in the universe is God himself. He's seated on a throne. He is not pacing in front of that throne. He's not on the edge of that throne. He doesn't get anxious or overwhelmed. In his presence is fullness and joy and delight. So we want God to say, hey, we want the Lord to, to impart that love so that we can love well, that we can obey. Because in this season of difficulty, 2020, and we're going into 2021, God is saying, I'm giving you power that's not of your own. And I'm seeing all of what you do. Because some of you in 2020, you were faithful in the small things. You were faithful in hidden obedience. You know, I work at Pi Hop, and there's a friend of mine. Uh, I don't know how he goes to the bathroom, but every time he goes, he, he clogs the toilets. He really does. And he's struggling, and he's struggling uh, with, with, you know, issues of health in his mind. And one day, uh, I was just I was just infuriated because this is like the sixth or seventh time now. Um, and we've had talks, we've had debriefs, you know, we've had all of that, right? And the Lord was, <laughs> the Lord was saying, I see that you're doing that. It's not lost on me. I see this small act of obedience that nobody else is seeing. I mean, now I've revealed it. But I'm just saying, like, in that moment, I was so angry and upset because it was a disruption to my day. And because of this person's struggles, I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted to avoid him because there's need there. There's a requirement of patience. There's a requirement of receiving someone where they're at. And even though there's truth, I have to be tender. And that's hard for me. And the Lord was saying to me, hey, I see your hidden act of obedience. I see all the small stuff that you do. Some of you, you've been at home, and this year of 2020 has been about small stuff. Because you got to take care of the kids. you got to do stuff that's around the house. you got to manage your work life. you got to serve in ways that's now been different. I just want you to know those are all cups of cold water that you've done unto the Lord. That he's going to remember in this age and the age to come. This is what most of Jesus did, FYI. For 30 years, he was the oldest son in a Middle Eastern family. He ran a carpenter's business. His his dad died at some point. So he had to do small acts of obedience for 30 years. He only did the cool stuff for three years. So please don't judge Jesus just only on the last three years. Honor the man for 33 years of living. He was called salvation, Yeshua, right? He was called the Savior of the world. God is with us, Emmanuel. But he hid it for 30 years. Some of you feel hidden. Some of you feel like, okay, I'm on the backside of the desert. But because you're faithfully moving with the Lord in obedience, he's saying, this is pleasing my heart. This is what I enjoy. You kind of remind me of Moses 
when he was 40 years in Africa on that desert plain. You remind me of David, who I call a man after my own heart, who was the youngest in that family, at least of the boys, and he was neglected. He wasn't recognized. Again, your situation may not be that severe, but God is saying, whatever you've done in your home, to the best of your ability, even when you struggle to obey, but then in your heart, you're like, God, I want to do this. I, I really want to obey you. God is saying, I'm going to release joy and peace into your heart because I really love the movement of your heart. It's not about a- attaining perfection and obedience. It's the reach. That's you putting it on yourself. It's not about perfectionism. It's about you reaching. And saying, God, I'm having a hard time at home. We're like five months into the pandemic. I don't know what to do. This is irritating me, but I believe in you. Help me. And God is saying, I love that. Because I see your heart desiring. Let's go into how to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, right? So the verse says in Romans 15, 13, that he would fill us with joy and peace in believing as we trust in him. So keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus is going to be a very big deal. One way to do it is to schedule time to worship. One way to do it is say, hey, I need some odd number of minutes. I need to close the door, and I need Holy Spirit to to bring stillness in my life. And I can't do it on the run. I can't do it while I'm doing a million things. To have consecrated time before God even at home, even away from the family, the work, whatever you're doing. God is saying, if you keep your eyes on me, you'll see my hand of leadership in your life. You'll trust my heart, and there won't be any accusation. Do you know 2020 is a good example of a time where we can really question his leadership and accuse his goodness, accuse him of not being good? You know, that's what happens when when bad times hit. We get accusatory. And then we don't like his leadership. And we check out. We retreat. We, we, we draw back. So God is saying, while you're believing, let's keep, my, let's keep your eyes. Let me have the attention of your eyes. So some of our eyes are on YouTube and Netflix. Some of our eyes are on, like, fixing our apartment or our house. All of that's great. But if we don't give attention to Jesus, we're going to be filled with all of these other things that are of the world. And some things that are permissible, but they're not actually beneficial. Right? They're satisfying for a moment, but they're not giving you life. I'm talking about spiritual vibrancy. So God is saying, will you fill your eyes with seeing who I am and my heart? Will you allow yourself to have peace about my leadership right now, even though the circumstances are tough? The last part of this verse, uh, before I read it, I want to go into Romans 12 too. This is such a great verse. It says, don't copy the behavior. This is the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's a great word right there. But let God transform you into a person by changing the way you think. (laughs) That's so hard, right? Then you will learn to know God's will for you. By the way, that was my number one question that led me into the spirit-filled life, a life of intimacy or a lifestyle of walking with God daily, is that one thing right there. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So again, God is wanting to fill you with the knowledge of your will, 
We're not just waiting for an election to pan out. We're not just waiting for that next job situation. We're not just waiting for the next housing situation. What we're waiting is, Holy Spirit, fill me with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's Colossians 1.9. He's saying that. He's saying, God, God is saying, hey, let me, let me, let me pour in the knowledge of who I am. Let me pour in my purposes and plans because I see that you're saying no to this world. Let's have an opportunity in 2021. I know we're going to do a fast at the beginning of the year. Let's have an opportunity to consciously say no. Fasting and praying is not earning. It's positioning yourself. It's allowing God to change you in the midst of that process. So God loves our yes, but he also loves when we say no to those things that are decent and everybody does it and it's nice. God loves when you say no. He loves when you say no and, and choose time with him. You choose, like God doesn't, doesn't mind I buy another pair of Air Max Nikes, right? But he really loves that I say no. And I give to those kids in Uganda. You guys see that? God loves your no where you deny yourself to pick up your cross. He really does. That actually gives you a lot of life. Like I love Nike Air Max, right? I really do. But I love being part of a family that's going to touch a nation. Touch a next generation. And I love that kid. I don't know. I saw a kid on there. I love that kid one day shining bright. You know, they're showing, I think, uh, video shots of kids in South America, Africa. I want to see kids shining bright, being bright and radiant, a city on a hill. I want to be a part of that. And I want to say God took a hold of my heart in a lame year called 2020, and he said, get off of yourself. Give a little bit of attention. Give a little bit of money. Talk to people about the cause. Talk to people and share my vision and my heart for these kids. That's what God wants. And at the end of the day, you're actually going to be more happy and content. You're going to feel more significant. So what we're doing right now at the church, when we do our weekly prayer meetings, we're giving to the nations, we're resisting our natural desires, which is I got to get ready for the holidays. I got to shop. I got to do the logistics of doing family really well so it looks good on social media. That's basically the reason. Um, even though you're angry for all of what you have to do and bitter and resentful, God is saying, why don't you lay that to the rest? Because he said this to Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. Be like Mary who's chosen to spend time with me because that's when it's not just your brain seeing a commercial during the service. It's, it's my heart for those kids in Africa. That little group that, that's been meeting on the parking lot on Wednesday nights, uh, that's my group that prays for you. He, they're standing in the gap for your life. And they're doing it out of weakness. They're massively flawed. They don't even pray right some of the times. But you know what? God is saying, I hear their prayers. 
Because they're weak prayers because of what Jesus has done on the cross. They arise with power. And their prayers are living before me. And because they prayed using the scriptures, which our church does, which PIHOP does, I'm going to fulfill it. Because they're praying back to me what I said in the word. And if you allow that dynamic to enter into your life, you'll catch it too. Because some of these things we've been taught, but now it's a time to catch it. So God is saying, let's get engaged. Let's participate. Let's show up. Let's sign up on Zoom. Let's not check out. Because 2020, because of everybody's narrative, was supposed to be a really unprecedented bad year. But it did not push the needle in drawing us closer to God. What it did was it kind of made us checked out. It brought us into a false comforts. And God is saying, I wanted to push the needle into wholeheartedness, into faith in me. And I wanted to push the, push the needle. I want, you, I want you to be pushed into these situations that are around you where you call somebody and pray, where you join the Wednesday night. You give, right? I don't know why I'm saying all this, but I mean, thank you, Mia, who's about to give birth. Maybe literally in this service. But you know what? I won't stop preaching because that's important. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Lord, help her not to break water right now. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Jesus' birth is all about God's heart. The darling of heaven, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the glorious one. God is saying, if you see a fresh picture of that in your mind with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit's help, for some of you Southern Pentecostals, that's a rhema word. <laughs> for us, it's living understanding. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't throw away our confidence. The one way to be confident right now is to say, Jesus, in this scripture, let me see you as you are. Holy Spirit, help me to have an experience with Jesus. Help me to have an experience with the Father. And Holy Spirit, I just give you fresh confidence. I, I, I put my confidence on you in a fresh way. I just let go of control. I let go of thinking I've, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back to poverty of spirit. Desperate need of God. It says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Will we go for daily renewal during this holiday season? Please do not wait for New Year's Eve or January to start thinking about spiritual renewal. Let's prepare for that. So God is saying, I'm inviting you to daily renewal. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Jesus is going to have billions of years with you. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things that we can't see, right? For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know who's eternal? Is Jesus. You know what's temporary? Your bills, your family members, these dynamics right now, 2020, the pandemic. For those of you that have experienced favor, God is saying even that's temporary. Because he allows seasons of difficulties. He allows seasons of favor. But the point is, will you allow Jesus to be set before you? Because if we have eternity set in our mind, we're not going to be so easily moved by the day-to-day, the, -day, the circumstances year-to-year. -year. And we don't have to wait for a mass email about the prophetic word for the next year. Amen. 
My wife likes it. <laughs> First amen I got in December 2020. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. She's of Scottish heritage. A McGregor, whatever that is, right? Sounds like a throw pillow company. Uh, on each side, and they don't give amen so freely. God will bless you when, you in, when people insult you. There's a reason why I put this in. We're almost done here. God will bless you when people insult you, mistreat you, and tell you all kinds of evil lies about you because of me. Be happy and excited that you will have great reward in heaven. People did the same things back in the day. Now, we're honoring the Lord we're living our, uh, uh, an honest heart before God. That's what we're trying to do. And we're preparing ourselves saying, God, fill me with joy and peace. Help me to overflow in hope. What that will mean is not only are we scheduling times of intimacy with Christ ourselves, not only are we scheduling times with connecting with other believers, we're saying, God, now use me on your behalf. What naturally will happen, even in your families, when you go to that Christmas dinner, when you spend all day with them, right, what will naturally happen is there'll be some resistance. So God is saying, hey, just know that I see it. Just know that I've overcome all of it. Just know that a lot of my spiritual family through history has gone through mistreatment, being misunderstood. So even right now, we have family members, and I want to take time to pray. God is saying, I want you to get hope from my word. I want you to get prophetic encouragement. I want you to develop a, a mindset that's filled with faith. Even in the face of being mistreated and misunderstood. Some of you, you may not be going through persecution, but you may be going through resistance in relationships. It may not even be you. There may be others in, fa in your family that can't get along. And God is saying, will you allow my Holy Spirit to work? I know it's hard to see that your family's going through this, but will you allow an overflow of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's what God's saying. And God is saying, will you get filled yourself? Because you're operating from like old manna, like old stories of when God touched me. So I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence. So we just come before you and we say, God, we thank you that you've been there for us in 2020. You've provided, you've loved, you've given us companionship. You never left us. You never abandoned us. You even moved on important people in our lives that they would love us. And you gave strength and power to receive it, to be aware of it. We thank you that you were there in a hospital room. You were there by somebody's bedside as they were walking through COVID-19. As they had that fever, they were feeling sick. Thank you for being there when we prayed for people, when we wanted to love people. Thank you for being there in the midst of anxiety. So we ask Holy Spirit for fresh new hope experiences, fresh new joy experiences, I just relent. I just give up my, my false comforts. I just let go and say, Jesus, I need you. So let's just take a moment wherever you're at. 
Just, just talk to the Lord like a person. Say, God, I need you. I really want you. I miss your love. I'm just tired. It's been so hard. Some of you, you can just take moments and say, hey, thank you for coming through and healing that person I was praying for. Thank you for coming through and paying my bills. Thank you for setting up a family time that's not like years past, where you're moving with power and strength. So just take a moment just to dialogue with God. I just want to give you just a minute here. Just close your eyes wherever you're at. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart. And the one thing I want to leave you with is the verse, Romans 15, 13. It's a great verse to always go back to and to pray. And this is how we would pray. You read it and then you pray it like this. Jesus, I thank you for being my God of hope. When I see you, I see hope, and I thank you for that. Fill me. Put inside of me as an, as an experience, as power, joy, and peace. I'm going to try to believe in you. I want to walk out my faith, but give me strength. Give me your joy and peace right now. And God, I just surrender, living paycheck to paycheck on hope. Holy Spirit, come with your resurrection power and fill me with overflow of hope. I want overflow. I want others to be touched by it. I wanna, I wanna just be free of myself. I wanna be free from the power of my circumstances. So move upon my life, Holy Spirit, with your power. Make this hope in Jesus and the Father real. We pray this in your name, amen.